morning. Wow. Thank you. Who did this? Bill? He's, he's outside. He's already... Awesome. Wow. I just want to... Um, I want to uh, start with prayer, but um, there are certain proclamations that uh, that the body of Christ makes in certain seasons, and when those proclamations are made, there is kind of a a covering. Uh, I would say maybe like a wake, like you know, like a boat. There's a wake that happens. And I don't know if you guys know this, but when you, when you take a boat on a wake, even like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of feet away from where the boat has went and the wake is caused because of the pressure um, being pushed down on the water, that wake, of course, we know it's most violent the closest to the boat. But as it goes farther, it decreases and decreases. But there's usually no spot on the lake where the shoreline is not affected by the movement of the boat, of that wake. Y'all know what I'm talking about? When you're driving, even if it's just the smallest little frequency, it still is moving the whole water. And um, I say that because um, the song that we sang this morning, Reckless Love, has become one of the most controversial songs in Christian music right now. It's one of the most controversial songs. And here's the reason why. is because people don't like the word reckless. They don't, like a, they don't like the idea of God being reckless. They, and I understand, I understand where they're coming from. And I feel like I want to I talk about this for just a moment. There is a need for, in our theology, for God to be reckless. For us, it's not like he's reckless, like he doesn't care what's going on, but at the cost of his own son, come after you is reckless to come after you with a violent grace that says, even if you don't receive me, I'm still going to sacrifice my son for you. There's nothing safe about that. That violent act of mercy wrecks me. It changes the very thought process I have towards God. Yay. See, warnings. It's, it's, you know, this is good. Warning signs. <laughs> Amen. And one thing I love that is challenging us is when, when something is... When, uh, uh, like, uh, for instance... Uh, I don't know if you guys remember, uh, we sing a song, How He Loves Us, right? How He Loves Us. How, oh, He loves us. Oh, how He loves us. Do you know what, do you know what word cost, caused a lot of controversy in the, in, in the church? Sloppy wet kiss. Do you know what they did in order to make that more palatable? They called it an unforeseen kiss. You know the difference between a sloppy wet kiss and an unforeseen kiss? Passion. 
people want to create an environment where God is, they want to tame the lion of the tribe of Judah. They want a lion that they can go and see in a zoo in a glass cage that has no power. They want him declawed, but they want to know he's a symbol of something mighty. They just don't want him to be mighty. And are you guys getting that? And when we try to change the violent nature of God in his love towards us, we start to create a box for him to live in. And then it is no longer him determining our lives, but ours determining his power. And Romans warns us about this and said, you have reduced God to an image like man. And I think that there is a, there, here's the reason why we need to grab a hold of the identity of having a reckless love. Because there is a, there is a grace coming in our body that as we embrace this, the love that we have for the lost becomes reckless. And we are able to reach who we weren't able to reach before because finally love becomes offensive enough to cause people to create a mindset change that they need. Amen. So I just want to, I want to thank you guys for just receiving that because, um, uh, for some, I understand, I actually don't think I actually don't think that our body has an issue with that. I we're I'm really proud of you guys. <laughs> but I just want to say that I want to let you go as far as the landscape of what is happening that there are strongholds being broken off of the church. Amen. Amen. Yeah, that's 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 some good news. You know what I hate? I hate it when other people have better news than me. And once I hear of somebody else's Somebody else, when they're starting to talk about the goodness of God and it starts to offend me, it's supposed to offend me as an invitation into how good they know God to be. Because the way Jesus demonstrated and actually offered a way into repentance was demonstrating goodness of God that was, was violent, was offensive to religious people, and it caused them to, to have to rethink who they thought the father was. And Jesus was the perfect representation of who the father was. Amen. I'm going to read something real quick. And there's just so much going on um, in the spirit right now. I don't know if you guys feel that. How many guys? Is this me? Like, this is like a... But I haven't taken a drink of it yet. Now. Awesome. I feel like I need to preach a little bit this morning. Is that okay with you guys? All right. Yes, Lord. Um, hey, Brittany. Um when we were in worship, I saw like, have you seen the Avengers? You ever seen the Avengers, the movie? 
the, the new one, that, or just any of the, there's one, this one lady, <laughs> and she has this power in her hands, and she, like, can create force fields, and, like, she can create environments, and um, she's, like, one of the most powerful Avengers, but she's just, like, she's the youngest. She's, like, the least experienced, but she actually has the most interesting power. And as you were standing there, I just saw these like red orbs in your hands and they have the power to create spiritual force fields around people. And it's like intercession. It's like you're able to you're able to protect people like you have seen attacks of the enemy be stifled when you just your heart is toward a person. Like at the very like, God, I really hope in the, like in the very moment that your heart gets turned towards this person, there's this <laughs> that gets assembled around them and it gives them enough time to get to a safe place. And the Lord wants you to practice that because it's it is a power that is has been with you your whole life. You have uh, you have known it ever since you were young and God has called you to uh a season of not neglecting this gift, but stir it up, test it out, get good with it. You're okay to fail. You're okay to make mistakes. But there's this like, I just saw you like, like throwing like force fields around people like crazy. And it was just like, it was like three dimensional shields around people where the enemy's darts would get burned through your force field and would literally turn to ash. So, um, I don't know. That's just weird. So it was devol- It was evolving. Drink another drink of the anointed coffee. Thank you, Lord. So, um, thank you, Holy Spirit. I'm a calm guy by nature when I speak. Um, Holy Spirit, I just thank you for this morning. It's so good. Oh, everything, you're so not afraid. You just, you fear not. You're not a God of fear. You're not, you're not scared. And Lord, when we see who you are, neither are we. Father, I just thank you for an anointing of fearlessness on your people. Lord, we were called, you actually said, look at a man skilled in his work. He does not work before normal men, but he is set before kings. Lord, some of us in here, you have put on our hearts such a level of excellence. And we want to feed that excellence because you have called us to stand before kings, to stand before presidents, to stand before rulers, to stand before people. And that is not a place of people who steward fear of means that... It's, it's a license to be there. But that is a place, that authority, that leadership is for those who have learned to steward faith. 
We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow. Wow. So let's um, let's turn in our. You guys turn in your Bibles. This morning, I want you to turn to First Corinth, First uh, Samuel, chapter sixteen. When you're there, say Amen. Amen. So I want to talk about. Kim Kim spoke last week. How many guys enjoyed uh, last week's when she talked about hearing the voice of the Lord? Amen. Wasn't that awesome? So there's so many things. The video is online. We have we have the audio online, um, and so you want to listen to that and hear the nuances of what the Holy Spirit is saying. Because sometimes, actually, I'll guarantee you this: every single time I've listened to a sermon, the second time I heard it was way better than the first time, and I got more out of it. So listen to it, be blessed by it. It's on the app, but it's also online. And um, I really feel that uh, God is calling us to season to a continual listening. And I'm so excited about in two weeks, uh, have uh, the first Sunday of the month, we're going to have Leanne share. She's going to be sharing on forgiveness. And, and February is the month of forgiveness for us. For a lot of people, they celebrated a lot of different ways, for, but for us in our house, it's Forgiveness Month. Of course, every month we're called to forgive, but we're going to really highlight that in, our, um, in the message. And so, um, but I wanted, to, I wanted to piggyback off where we, we have been in the last couple of weeks with hearing the voice of the Lord, and even, even uh, when James shared on Saul, uh, it was an amazing sermon on Saul. Y'all listen to that one too. But something that something that really hit me was um, the fact that how many of you guys know how Samuel's life started? Y'all know how Samuel's life started. His life started because his mom got on her knees and cried out to God so bad that when the priest heard her, he thought she was drunk. When was the last time you were so bawling before the Lord, someone thought you were drunk? There was such a place of desperation in her heart. Now, there's something that is also in the place of what was going on in history that the word talks about. And that was that when that the, that the people of God had lost sight, the, the God's people had lost sight of what he was doing. And then it said, Eli was starting to lose his sight in his old age. You guys see the correlation when the man, when the man of God has starting to lose his sight. There's like a connection between the man of God and the grace of God's people. When we start to lose sight of his goodness, it affects the perception of the people around us. But when we start to see what he's doing, that faith starts to spread to others and they start to come into an awakening of the move of God. And so Samuel was born into this environment. And how many of you guys know, like the kind of the popular story of Samuel and his first encounter with hearing the voice of God? Y'all remember that? I love how God came to the young boy who was in training. 
He came, he came to the young boy, but Eli was sleeping. And we know the story. Samuel was laying in bed, and he hears Samuel. And what does Eli do? He goes. And where does he go? He goes to the, he goes to the person who's stewarding over him. And in this, there's a training process here of what Eli re- realized. Oh, my goodness. This is like, this is God starting to develop this young man. He's actually, he's not just like a candle boy. He, you know, he's not just an ins- he's not just cleaning up the vacuum cleaners, but he, you know, or cleaning up the floors. He's actually hearing from God. This is amazing. You know, what's funny for a season here. <laughs> everybody who was the janitor here got married. No, I'm serious. Like for a season here, uh, yeah, um, it was uh, Jamie McMullen. He he cleaned the church for a while, and after he cleaned the church, he got married. And then it, it passed along to uh, Damien, and Damien cleaned the church for a while, and then he got married. And then I cleaned the church for a while, and I got married. So we, I don't know. Y'all are already married, so we got to get some more helpers around here. <laughs> there is this like inter- it was just funny it was just but it's just something that happens when you're in the environment of servanthood like it's not yes yes they're serving but something about the vicinity about where you're serving like this is this is this has been dedicated to the lord and i think you can i think wherever the soles of our feet, our treat will tread that is that's his ground that's our ground and so i think that can happen anywhere but as Samuel is being developed and he's starting to hear the voice of the Lord. I want you to think about the ministry of Samuel for just a second, because we all get discouraged. And especially if you have the responsibility, whether it be you're the priest in the home or God has really put a heart on you for a certain people and you have like, I really feel like I'm I'm supposed to be an influence in this area. And I know all of you, if you're a disciple of Jesus, that means you have been given, you're, you are deputized to take on the enemy. So we know that we can do that. But something that really struck me was that it was at this point in 1 Samuel 16. Now listen to this. It says, now I'm reading from the New Living Translation as opposed to the Old Dying Translation. Now the Lord said to Samuel, you have mourned long enough for Saul. You have mourned long enough for Saul. There are some things in your life that God has anointed and God's purpose was served. You have mourned long enough. What is in your heart that you have mourned long enough for? And to me, the answer, there's something that's very interesting that I see here that God is trying to do in, yes, is he trying to do it through people? Yes, he was working through Saul. And now in this story we're about to read, I want you to think about the reconciliation that happens in the heart of the man of God. Because here is a man of God, he's heard from the Lord and God says, go anoint this man and do this. And here's all these things. And then in this process, Saul comes to ruin 
He starts to idolize things. He starts to make his own way. He starts to do his own things. And you know what? Samuel can't do anything about that. You guys know you're not supposed to steward other people's hearts. You're supposed to steward your own. And once you steward your own, it's the move of the Holy Spirit that happens through you that other people understand that, wow, they actually can change the way they think about things. Why am I stuck? You actually don't have... Evangelism is the most natural process when you become comfortable with the Holy Spirit just flooding in His presence into you and everyone else is just experiencing the overflow. Amen? So this is what he says. He says, You have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel. So fill your flask with oil and go to Bethlehem. Whoa. I thought, God, I thought you chose Saul. He did. Moving along. That's tough. Because what happens in the heart of Samuel? And his whole life, he's heard the voice of God. His whole life, he's had a ministry of being close. And sometimes things don't pan out like you feel the promise said was going to happen. That's tough. Oh, man, this is painful. And this is what he says. He says, I have selected one. uh, He says, um, find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. But Samuel says, how can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. Hold on. This dude has never feared anything. Something happens when once things start to not pan out like you thought, guess what jumps on you? Fear jumps on you. And you know what it likes to do? It likes to get you to question God's process. God never called you to understand what he's doing. He he called you to do it. Lean not on your own understanding. If you understood what God was trying to do, you would probably screw it up. How many times in our walk has God said, I need you to do this? And you go, that makes no sense. That's God. I know you're all knowing, but that's not a good idea. (laughs) And he goes... All right, that's, that's where you stop. <laughs> this is where I get off. <laughs> because, you know, God is a movement. God's very intentional with what he does. And he's very, I love about God is he, he will not allow himself to become a monument in humanity. He the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when you say, God, that's not the way you moved back then, you just reduced the move to a monument. And you will live in that glory that is fading. His glory is just as alive in the older generation, the present generation, and the generation that is to come. But only he who has ears to hear and eyes to see will be able to see the move of God. And those people will be the mouthpiece for what he is going to do. 
just like God was the mouthpiece through Samuel and not through Eli or his sons because he had eyes to see the move of God. Wow. All right. So here we go. Verse two, but Samuel asked, how can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. God says, take a heifer with you. Lord replied and say that you have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. So invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you which one of his sons to anoint for me. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed. That's, that was a good idea for him to obey. So when he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. Okay, when the man of God comes to your town, <laughs> what, what's going on? What, can, can we help you with anything? Is, what, what, what did we do? Did he, it, was, it wasn't me. It was him. I don't know what you're here for. Uh, I didn't mean, oh boy. Okay, so here is, you understand the environment, right? See, that's the difference between living in, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament is when people would run to the feet of Jesus and they'd become free. They'd pour out the flask of their alabaster jar. They're not scared about rejection. They understand grace says, I'm here for you and I'm not here to kill you. I'm here to raise you to de- from the dead. So here it is. So the elders were scared to death. <laughs> elders came into town. What's wrong? They asked, do you come in peace? <laughs> oh my gosh. I know my dad, he does a lot of like, he'll just show up at people's doors. <laughs> he'll, he'll just come and, hey, I'm going to go. I'm, I feel like Holy Spirit just says, and he just, he always comes in the most like, hey. And I know people are just like, hey, hey, is everything okay? <laughs> what? Is, is, is there an issue? Do we have to have a meeting? <laughs> Do you come in peace? That's so awesome. (laughs) Oh, we serve the Prince of Peace, ladies and gentlemen. What does Samuel say? Yes, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice too. When they arrived, Samuel took... One look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. Now, why do you think about this? Why do you think, surely this is the guy? Let's, Let's go back in time. When we learn what the Bible describes Saul as, he was tall. He was the best-looking guy in all of Israel. He was looked to as a leader. And here God says, or uh, here um, Samuel says, this has got to be the guy. Why? Because that's what God did the last time. So, I mean, he did that. So he's, this is, this makes perfect sense. Because 
that's what he did. Do you, do you guys, it's just interesting they've learned about the brain. The brain um, has to work out a sequence. I know I've shared this before, but your brain is a natural problem-solving organism. If it finds... If it finds a wall, it has to find another way around. That's why we don't really do well with mystery. We have to find the conclusion. Our brain will not allow for information with no answer to be presented for us. Or if that is the case, we have to find a way. And so what we like to do, we like to create sequences for God to move. So that way the information in this stability can be fluid. But what happens when there is a problem that stops you, you start to go, what am I supposed to do here? And what we do is we default to the sequence that worked the last time. And so what happens is you actually start living in, it's not, um, actually, that's why Jesus, one of the reasons why he came is to give his people the ability to have a renewed mind because the way he did it is definitely something that we learn from, but the, what, what he did in the lesson he's trying to teach you is not how he did it, but that he can do it. Do you guys know the difference? How many of you guys, you you ever heard of the, like these, um, these get rich quick things. And it's like, if you want a million dollars, all you got to do is buy my $475 and 95 cent program or four, four easy payments of $122. Okay. Oh, wow. All I have to do is that, and that's it. That's the recipe. You know what that's called? That's called a, that's equating of like a spell. That is like a, you know what? You know what I have learned? That, that it's possible in Christianity to create spells for people. And we call them Principles. And we tell people to build your life on principles. But what happens when you do something just because it was done the way before and you're not living in a renewed mind? You're living according to the method God did it, but not what he's doing now. And the people of God, what they do is they they start to not. uh, It's possible for me in my walk to repeat a victory, repeat the method and the victory, and he's no longer in the method. He has something else. Why? Because he's not trying to do what he did. The spirit is going to be the same. The, f- the presence freedom is going to be the same. But every time we do to try to create and conjure his presence, we've reduced him to a method. Does that make sense? So here is Samuel who says, that's got to be the guy. That's, that's got to be the guy. And this is, this is part of the fun. He says this. But the Lord said to Samuel, I, I don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. The Lord does not see things the way you see them. 
Turn to your neighbor. The Lord does not see things the way you see them. He doesn't see things the way you see them. It's different. It's not what you think. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his son, Abinadab, step forward and walk to the front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shimei. Some, some people say Shamal is in another translation. But Samuel said, Neither is this one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has, has not chosen any of these. <laughs> Have you ever been there in your life? When you're looking for what God has called you to do and you've exhausted, you've exhausted all paths, all methods, and you start to say, I don't, I don't think I heard right. Have you ever been there? I just, uh, maybe that wasn't from the Lord. Here's what I, I think it's um, okay to question how God's going to do it. It's not okay to question if he's going to do it. Amen? Amen. If he makes you a promise, he's going to do it. How he's going to do it, that's up to him. If he's going to do it, that's up to him. You are called to walk in the yes and amen of his promise. Some of y'all need to hear that today because you've isolated him to a method and he's not in your method. He's not in your best idea. As a matter of fact, like David, he's not even at the party yet. <laughs> then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the field watching the sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. Now, this is what I love. We will not sit down to eat until he gets here. I like to think of like, I like to think of what that must have looked like. Okay, so here you have... For you have all the brothers, right? You have all of David's older brothers. And how many here it, How many here have a younger sibling? And they act like they're the youngest sibling. And you know, it's like every time they come in the room, they know they're the youngest. And it's like, dude, you just shut up. Just sit down. I know mom has favored you. You're the baby. Y'all ever, y'all know that? Now, how many of you are the youngest? And you like, you're like, yeah, I milked that. I'm, look, I needed it. I needed it, okay? Everyone else got to do stuff way before I did. And then there's the rest of us who are the middle child. We need the most prayer. <laughs> and so here's all these brothers, and they're standing around, and it's like, dude, 
Eliab, you're you're not the one. And he's like, yeah, I don't know. He's like, why are we waiting around for David? I don't know. The prophet said, we're not to sit down. Don't sit down. Dude, your butt's going to catch on fire. Don't sit down. Man of God's here. You're going to be the next sacrifice. Come on, stand up. And so, you know, they're waiting around and you could feel the tension in the room as they're awaiting their bratty little tattletale brother who they probably like duked into going and in, in watching the sheep. And so he's out there walking, watching his sheep and they probably hated every time he came in and was like, I killed another lion today, you know? And they're like, what? That's, a, you know, he's just, you know, he's crying wolf and all these other things. And he comes in and this is what I love. I love this. He says, and j- and how many 16-year-olds we got? Because David, according to history, was 16 years old when this happened. And he said, okay. He said this. He said, verse 12, he said, So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. I bet David wrote this verse. I bet he wrote this section. And he's like, what do I say about myself? And the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. So David stood there among his brothers. And Samuel took the flask of oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned. And here's, here's what I want to do, and I want to pray. But for some of you, God has given you a promise and you've exhausted all your resources. And the word of the Lord to you today is, David's not in the room yet. The promise that he has promised you, you're going to encounter, he hasn't come into the room yet. And how many of you guys, when you know that you know, you know? Have you ever been there? You're just like, I know. I know it when I'll see it. And it's easy that when you go through seasons where the word of the Lord doesn't end up like you thought it was going to end up, that you can start to doubt the fact that God's going to do what he told you he's going to do. And here he says, see, I think, yes, I know this was a ministry. I know that what Samuel was doing here was a ministry from the Lord to his people of giving them a king. But this was also a ministry to Samuel himself. Because God was letting Samuel know, you didn't miss it. You didn't miss it. You're hearing from the Lord. You are hearing from the Lord. But sometimes we're in the season of waiting for chapter 16. That's awesome. Come on, that's good though. He's waiting for chapter 16. How many of you guys are waiting for chapter 16 this morning? You're like, God, come on. You know, what's going on? I don't understand. You told me this and it didn't happen like I thought it was going to happen. And he said, look, I told you I would make Saul king. Was he not king? Yes. Moving on. Sometimes we forget that there are seasons to words. 
And that which he start, he will complete. But sometimes when God completes something, we love the environment that he created so much. We don't move along with him. And he's done there. He's done. Move along. That's hard to hear because what we start to do, you, we already went there. I'm not going to go back there again. But guess what? It moved on David. And then... David did some really awesome stuff, but then we all know how it happened with David and it transferred off of him. Went to Solomon. That didn't last too long. Got off. You see what I'm saying? There is a move of the presence of God that we are called to steward. And he's speaking to us in different ways. Don't isolate how he talks to you. Don't, don't get stuck in a method, but be hungry for the presence. And sometimes the most powerful place you can be is in the season where he doesn't answer your prayer. Oh man, that's tough. When God is silent, he's still speaking. He's still working in you. He's still taking that place of what feels like absence. It's not absence. He's working within you perseverance. Come on, somebody. How many of you guys are in a season of perseverance? Anyone? It's like, come on, baby, get out of me. Come on. So yeah, so I'm not going to go there. <laughs> I've never had a baby. So I really, y'all are, ladies are just going to tune out if I start talking about that. So he is here to let you know you might be going through seasons of testing things out. That's okay. It's okay to test the word. God, is this, is this the plan? No. It seems like a really good idea. Do you, do you, let's, you want to try it? No, I moved on. Can we come back there? Let's for now, let's move on. Okay. All right. All right. This kid. No, this, what? Hmm. Sure, you want to go back to this one? No, keep going. All right, you go down the line. And guess what? At the end of the line, guess what? When it feels like you've exhausted all your resources, all your plans, all your methods, everything that's in front of you, it's still not the end. God, I don't see a way out. I know. I know you don't see a way out. We need to learn what it feels like to be in a room where there's no way out. <sighs> That's so tough. <laughs> and you know what's the hardest? It's the hardest thing when you're hearing a message like this and you're in the room. Because you start to think, where's the hope? Where's the hope in this? The hope is there. It's in his context. And we are learning the stewardship of patience and long suffering that we're saying it's easy to give up on the promise when you don't find it within your method. And sometime it is only through the method of absence that you start to ask the right questions. Does that make sense? Samuel comes in the room. The sons are present. He goes through at the end of it. He says this, is this all the sons you have? The answer? No. It teaches me 
when I come into the presence of a promise that's promised me, I say, Lord, is this all, is this all of them? I'm going to ask that first now. (laughs) God, are these all my options? Nope. They're all I'm going to show you right now. Okay. I'm going to work with all of these no's, but I'm going to learn from every one of these no's that God says no to me. Does that make sense? How many of you guys are just as happy when God says no, as he says, when he says yes, I have learned to be successful. I have learned to fail. I have been, I've learned to abound. I've learned to be above. I learned to be below, but whatever state I'm in, I've learned to be content because contentment when we're able to stay in a presence of contentment, we actually start to mimic the environment of heaven and we don't rely on our understanding and we start to see the promise through a different angle and he works. He works through the process of us unlearning things in our heart. Amen. There are lessons that life will try to teach you that the Holy Spirit has to unteach you. So this morning, if life has come against you, or if you have lived in life, and life has burned you out, it has hurt you, it has made promises that it feels it can't. If you feel like God has made promises that he's not keeping, there is this place of waiting, but there are also times in our life when we have to unlearn things. And the Holy Spirit is the one who comes in and says, Hey, do you remember when you were, when you were 20 and that thing happened? And, um, and then from that moment on, you started to think this way. And you'd be like, yeah. He's like, that wasn't a lesson I was trying to teach you. And because it was a lesson I wasn't trying to teach you, you learned a lesson that became a part of your heart. And I need to get that out because it's preventing you from needing what I need to give you. So there's an exchange. And usually it's in those moments that fear says, no, 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 no. You can't let go of that. You need that. You need that. It's there for your protection. And fear has to hold on to itself. But faith and hope and love is so free with it. It's own context. You're free to take it or leave it. It doesn't change its power based on whether or not you believe it. But fear is so scared. You will not believe in it. It won't let you go. And so in your heart right now, you know, the things that Holy spirit, all he's doing is standing and he's not going to rip it out of your hand. He's going to allow you to let it go and fear won't let you. So Holy spirit, I thank you for, um, Revealing the things in our heart that has caused us to be scared of you, scared of how we hear, what we hear. Lord, when we, when we hear things even in our society, our environment, they would start to say, oh no. Look, when the enemy comes in like a flood, lift up a standard of the Lord against the enemy. Lord, we know that... Um, what you are calling us to and where you are calling us into, there is no fear in that place that, that as we learn of your love, 
we are unlearning the fear that the world would love us to agree with. And because fear includes punishment, and punishment is just, it it brings confusion. And Lord, we just thank you for the release of your presence this morning. Lord, we thank you for... uh, for just the release of fear in our life. Lord, we just thank you for um, that through all the words that we get right, through all of the things that come and go, you, you don't stop. You do not stop in pursuing our heart. And I thank you for that. Lord, I just ask right now for your presence to be on... Um, your presence to sit and rest in a powerful way as it did David. It said the presence of God, the Spirit of God came upon David powerfully from that moment on. Lord, I thank you that there is an amazing coming upon of your Spirit on our house, this people. Lord, and even even in the coming months, Lord, we thank you that you... See, we can make our plans, but you're directing our steps. And Lord, every unforeseen corner, we say there's something good around it because the enemy is not going to steal our victory. It's ours. And he has no angle on us because our victory is in Jesus, his accomplishment. In Jesus' name, amen.